Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 80 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation, Part 15, Chapter 6, The Black Horse. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Good morning, class. You got close to getting out of class, but I can still, I can holler pretty loud. Revelation 6 is where we are as we continue. I hope that this morning's presentation will not bore you. I'm going to be I'm teaching more in chapter 6 on the black horse as we go into more understanding. I'm just trying to give a little, it's not an exhaustive detail by no means, just I'll give a little little details here and there to show you a little bit of the emphasis of this black horse. So as we continue here, uh, I like to start off with sometimes, is, can anybody tell me who that is? I'm sure that you have seen this picture quite often as you were, you know, searching through the encyclopedia. Baron Nathan Meyer de Rothschild. Anybody ever heard of the Rothschild name? The Rothschild name is Anonymous with a, a lot of money. It doesn't even rhyme with Smith. It's not even, not even close. And he lived from 1818 to 1883. Now, he was the third of five sons of Ayer Amsel Rothschild. And uh, this is the five sons were all in banking throughout Europe, Germany. They, each son kind of went to a different country had the largest banks, and it created this conglomerate, this bank. Even today, if you go to France, there's about a one-mile square there. It's, that's another whole story I'll not get into, but it's the concentration of where does the world finances and monies, where are they? But he made this statement, let me issue and control a nation's money, and I care not who writes the laws. And that's the reason in he understood a phenomena, and that is that the money rules. Didn't make any difference what the laws are. And if you'll start catching what this black horse here is in the book of Revelation, it is built around a lot around, majorly around money. So this was his uh, quote, and his and the Rothschilds are, who knows, if they're as strong as they were back in those days, but nonetheless, their philosophy, their organizations and all of that are definitely, anybody know who that is? Yes, it is. Trevor knew that one real quickly. I'm not going to ask him why he was so familiar with that one. That's Karl Marx. Marx. He said this in the Communist Manifesto. Money plays the largest part in determining the course of history. And uh, that's from uh, two men who knew about money and what they did with money. They controlled countries, controlled uh, the world, if you will. So for us to realize and to set aside this black horse, which I think the black horse is, you know, he has a scale in his hand. Last week, again, I'll get into a little bit more this week about inflation and what, what, this, what is really going on with our, the hidden demon here, if you will, is money. And then first cousin is, who do you owe the money to? There's a difference in if you owe money or if you're getting interest off of money. Most of mine's been in the latter, so, I mean the former, excuse me. Now we got these four horsemen, and they're evil spirits of the unnatural world, 
and they are revelations of our spiritual warfare. We see these four horsemen. The four horsemen gives us a, I want us to see it as revelation. What do, what is our spiritual warfare against? And it will be primarily these four horsemen. And that's the key that's given to us in Revelation, to give us revelation of who the major seats, if you will, of who is our warfare, what, who is it again against. They'll come in those three, four forms. It's one that conquers, it's the white horse, peace taken from the earth. You got, there shall be famines, pestilence, it says, and that's the fourth horse, the third horse is where it speaks about you'll work a whole day for a little measure of wheat, and so that's where we're going to look some today. And the last one, of course, is death, which is the accumulation, if you will, of the first three even. Now, in early history, I want to give us this little history lesson on our country here. There again, this is not exhaustive. I'm giving you enough information to question what I'm saying. Just enough information. So you might want to write down some of this information to see if what I'm saying is true. In other words, I just want to aggravate you this morning to get you because the topics and the little bit of the terminology that I'll use, by all means, takes much further in-depth observation and study. But Abraham Lincoln worked very hard to prevent the attempts of the Rothschilds to involve themselves in financing the Civil War. Because their banks were already established, coming to the Civil War, they were constantly courting, if you will, the North and the South with the finance, and the, they didn't care which side you were on because they knew who controlled the money, controlled the war. So they were actually after both, but they courted Abraham Lincoln a lot. Abraham Lincoln realized and was understanding this problem. The Rothschilds' interest succeeded succeeded through their agent, Treasury Secretary Samuel uh, P. Chase, to form a bill as Chase. You start looking at that last name, Chase, and you'll start seeing things start materializing. To force a bill, a National Banking Act, through Congress, creating a federally chartered central bank that had the power to issue U.S. bank notes. And so keep that in mind. Lincoln had a warning to the American people. The money power preys upon the nation in time of peace and conspires against it in times of adversity. It is more despotic than monarchy, more uh, insolent than autocracy, more selfish than bureaucracy. I see in the near future a crisis approaching uh, that unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of our country. Watch this. Corporations have been enthroned, an era of corruption will follow, and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudices of the people until the wealth is aggregated in a few hands and the republic is destroyed. Now, this was what I mean, Abraham Lincoln saw this, and he was warning the American people. And so, what we see happening today is major corporations walking hand-in-hand hand with our government. And so that creates a lot of problems. Abraham Lincoln even saw it back in his day. Actually, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, 
had uh, long debates, and he did with Madison, over this same concept or problem that was coming on the scene. Now, how does that affect us as Christians? Because we realize that it comes under the black horse. We realize as we see these things happening, we need to be able to discern what is going on. Now, that was by Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln continued to fight against the central bank, and some now believe that it was his anticipation, success in influencing Congress to limit the life of the Bank of the United States to just the war years that it was motivating factor behind his assassination. In other words, Lincoln was saying, okay, we'll do this deal, but just for a short time during the war years, then it expires. Now, before that expiration date, though, we know Lincoln was assassinated. Now, you'll notice presidential assassinations through our history is always coupled with a president that's trying to do away with his system. And that's interesting to look at and to, and to note as we move forward. Modern researchers have uncovered evidence of a massive conspiracy that links Lincoln's Secretary of War, Edwin Statton, to John Wilkes Booth. His eight co-conspirators and our 70 governmental officials and businessmen involved in the conspiracy to the Bank of Rothschild. Now, we know that that conspiracy was going on then, and there's a lot there again. You'll do some research on it. It's very, very interesting what has unfolded through the years of the truth of that. Now, there, when Lincoln was assassinated, Miss Lincoln said this. She had this famous quote, Oh, that dreadful house. Mary Todd Lincoln, upon hearing of her husband's death, began screaming, Oh, that dreadful house. And they said she continually kept screaming this over and over and over again. And it was as though she was making an association. She knew what was going on. She knew what had happened. Now, watch this. Many believe it may have been directed to Thomas W. House, a gunrunner, financier, and an agent of the Rothschilds during the Civil War. He was famous for that. Who was linked to the anti-Lincoln pro-banker interest. Interesting. Thomas W. House was also the father of Colonel Edwin Mandel House, who later became the key player in the election of Woodrow Wilson and the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. That was actually, if you want to do research on that, was a very, you're talking about rigged election. Don't think that here lately is the first time this conversation was taking place. It takes place a lot down through history. And it has actually taken place. Wilson kind of made a deal, actually, with that concept of the bankers. And he said, you get me in, and I'll approve it. And that's kind of what happened with the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. You can look that up. 1913 Federal Reserve Act created the Federal Reserve System. Known simply as the Fed, it was implemented to establish economic stability in the U.S. by introducing a central bank to oversee a monetary policy. That sounds like maybe a bunch of words, but it is a bunch of words that, that actually mean something. You say, well, Alan, what's that got to do with the black horse? I think it's got everything to do with it. I think it's got everything to do with the Antichrist and how it will rule and reign. How does it, get, how does it gather its power? And if you'll stick with me just a moment, I'll hit it hard, then we'll go on. 
But the Federal Reserve Act is one of the most influential laws shaping the U.S. financial system that we have today. And we are approaching, if you need to know, around $33 trillion in debt. $33 trillion, which we are paying interest on. Uh, the question is, uh, who gets the interest? Where does it go? I mean, this is all documented. It's, it's not a big secret unless you haven't ever heard it before. I want to look at Andrew Jackson. Just a small moment here. Andrew Jackson was the first president from west of the Appalachians. The Appalachians. He was unique for the time in the beginning, elected by the voters without the direct support of recognized political organizations. Now, I hate to make a comparison, but that's what happened to Trump. Same thing happened to Andrew Jackson. He was outside of the organized. He caught, a, he caught the organized. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. I think you both would burn up in a flame if you were a candle. In 1835, he declared his disdain for the international bankers. You are a den of vipers, he said. I intend to, to rout you, or root you out by the, feder, by the eternal God. I will root you out if the people only understood the rank and injustice of our money and banking system, there would be a revolution uh, before morning. That's Andrew Jackson. I think that's interesting. Because you can tell he was having a problem. If you want to take a picture of there, there's where you can look it up. That's where it was cited from. Did everybody, I don't know if anybody needed to get that. Or not. Okay. Now here, there uh, followed an unsuccessful assassination attempt on Jackson's life after he was saying these things. Jackson had told his vice president, Martin Van Buren, the bank, Mr. Van Buren, is trying to kill me. I just picked a handful out of hundreds upon hundreds of statements that presidents have made, uh, senators have made down through the ages. There's where you can cite that. If you'd like to take a picture of that on it appears that his and Abraham Lincoln's death was related by an invisible thread to the international bankers. You got to understand this is in the United States, but it's it's an inter, it's a global bank system. It's global control. What controls the world is the money. Global uh, control. So we we elect people to represent us in our House and our Senate and our President. But then the question is, who controls them? Usually, the first term, they all start off pretty good if they stay in there four or five. Terry Estes told me, he said, it's easy to vote. He said, just vote for whoever wasn't in office before. Just go down through your ballot. Whoever's not been in office, he said, vote for. He was actually not kidding when he told me that. He was very serious. He felt like the Lord showed him that, and I tend to agree. Now, let's look at the Federal Reserve again. It comes as a shock to many to discover that it is not an agency of the United States government. Federal Reserve is not a, gover it's not a governmental agency. The name Federal Reserve Bank is a deceptive name, actually. It is not federal, nor is it owned by the government. It is privately owned. You can look all of this up. It's, no, it's very easy to see where it was in the Court of Appeal there, Lewis versus United States, 1982. It pays its own postage like any other corporation. Its employees are not civil service. Its physical property is held under private deeds and is subject to local taxation. Government property is not. So everything that we see about this is it's not, it's privately owned. 
A lot of this information I get at different places. Some of it I even get at uh, governmental websites. The Bible part I tend to cite Chuck Missler a lot. He he does a whole he has a whole teaching series on such. Now the Federal Reserve here it is an engine that has created private wealth that is unimaginable. It has enabled an imperial uh, elite to manipulate our economy for its own agenda and enlisted the government itself as its enforcer. You can say, well, Alan, that's, that's a pretty big proposition there. Yeah, well, it's just according to how much money you got. I got one quote up here where the politicians were saying that, well, I'll not get to it. Few Americans know of the betrayal that was plotted on Jekyll Island, Georgia, that was destined to defraud Americans of their wealth opportunity and would eventually lead to the subjugation of our great democratic experiment into a centralized global dictatorship. Now, that's what we're feeling now, was this global power, this uh, one-world system. We know our Bible speaks about it. And uh, people all the time say, well, Alan, you sound like a conspiracy theorist. I said, well, not theory anymore. It's just not theory anymore. We, we can see that it's actually, uh, my Bible tells me there'll be a great conspiracy. That's what my Bible tells me. And Christians all the time don't want to be called conspiracy theorists. And I'm like, well, you don't know your Bible. There was a conspiracy against Christ since day one to kill all the, the male babies. And I mean, there's been cons conspiracy is a tool of the dark side. Don't be surprised that it's here. It's always been here. But it, it, conspiracy is a mode of operation uh, for the dark side. And so when people try to shame you or make fun of you for believing in conspiracy theory, they call it. I just call it conspiracy facts. But when it, if you'll notice in the spiritual world, when somebody accuses you of that, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. But what, why do you feel that way? It's because your feeling is trying to throw shame at you. It's trying to kill. The enemy of the dark side is trying to kill this thing. Did you, there's a conspiracy against your life. Did you know that? There, there is a conspiracy against your life. There are also God's, God's for you and the enemy's against you. Of course, my book Bible tells me if he's for you, yeah, there you go. Quote the rest of the scripture. Now, this meeting at Jekyll Island was on November the 20th, 1910. There is the, that was a resort. I started looking into and I got sidetracked to see if that same building's still there. I feel certain that it would be. It was so fancy. It was, a, it was actually a hunting club of J.P. Morgan, the great banker in New York City. He was a, J.P. Morgan actually bailed out the United States ran out of money for like two or three years. Of course, he had so much money, he bailed out the United States. I'd say that's a lot of money. But then you got to ask yourself the question, why did we need it? You look far enough, J.P. Morgan created the need. That's another story. Now, a secret gathering at a secluded island off the coast of Georgia in 1910 laid the foundations for the Federal Reserve System. Now, I know a lot of y'all know this and have heard it. I want to bring it into perspective. In November the 10th, six men, Nelson Aldrich, A. Pratt, Andrew Henry Davison, Arthur Shelton, Frank Vanderlip, and Paul Warburg met at Jekyll Island Club off the coast of Georgia. 
to write a plan to reform the nation's banking system. The meeting and its purpose were closely guarded secrets, and participants did not admit that the meeting occurred until 1930. But the plan written on Jekyll Island laid the foundation for what would eventually be called the Federal Reserve System. They say, well, Alan, where did you get that information? Well, I got it off of their website. All of this is published talk, and they're very proud of the history of it. This came off the historical side. My only problem is that they left out two of the names. They changed them for two other people, what was really happening there. So there'll be a change here. I'll have two other names here that were changed. In November 1910, and after having consulted with the Rothschild banks in England, France, and Germany, Senator Nelson Aldrich boarded a private train in Hoboken, New Jersey. His destination was Jekyll Island, Georgia, and a private hunting club owned by J.P. Morgan. Now, we'll not get into it, but I am sure there's a prophetic meaning to Jekyll Island. I'll let your imagination go with that. Aboard the train were six other men. Now, this is the change. Benjamin Strong was president of Morgan's Bankers Trust Company. It was his hunting lodge. Benjamin Strong was president of Morgan's Bank. Charles Norton was president of Morgan's First National Bank. Henry Davison was senior partner of the J.P. Morgan. I think J.P. Morgan's well represented there. Frank Vanderlip was president of Kuhn Liebs National Bank of New York. A. Pratt Andrew was assistant secretary of treasury. And Paul or Warburg, which that's another story that we will not get into. The reason I'm pausing, I see a few people taking pictures of the screens. Now the goal. The goal was to establish a private bank that would control the national currency. The challenge was to slip the scheme by the representatives of the American people. Either it had been called the earlier it had been called the Aldrich Bill and received effective opposition. So it was in great debate for some time. It did finally pass, but I'll show you here how it did finally pass. The devious planners of the revised bill titled it the Federal Reserve Act to mask its real nature. It would create a system controlled by private individuals who would control the nation's issue of money. Key word there is issue of money. Uh, the Federal Reserve Board would control the nation's financial resources by controlling the money supply, available credit, and all by the mortgaging the government through borrowing. Now remember, whoever you owe, owe is who controls you, according to the Word of God. So we find the United States is owned, if you will. We're giving up more of our ownership every minute to the site of $33 trillion. Do you have any idea how much $33 trillion is? I mean, we've almost gotten immune to the word trillion because we've heard it. Trillion's a lot. I'm going to show you here in just a moment how much a, a trillion is. Now, the Federal Reserve Bill, here it came. The Federal Reserve Bill was held up in December until December 23rd, two days before Christmas, before it was presented to the House and Senate. In other words, what happened was, every, you know, in this day and age, it took a while to get home before Christmas, so everybody kind of left except those that knew they were going to kick it in on the 23rd of December. It was kicked in on the 23rd of December. Only those senators and congressmen who had got, not gone home for the holidays, those who owned, owed favors or uh, who were on the payroll of the bankers were present to sign the legislation. And so was that crooked? It was hugely crooked. 
involved behind the scenes in the elections of Woodrow Wilson and Teddy Roosevelt was Colonel Edwin Mandel House, the same guy that was the son of the man who was trying to push this through with Lincoln, son of the Civil War Rothschild agent Thomas W. House. Colonel Edwin House represented the interests of the Rothschild banks and was originally a member of the Institute of International Form in Paris at the Majestic Hotel in a secret meeting on May 30th, 1919. Its American branch formed July 29th, 1921, became the Council on Foreign Relations, and some of y'all, I'm sure, have heard that. If you hadn't, you can jump on it and have you some good reads in the Council of Foreign Relations there. Now, does everybody remember Lindbergh? I'm sure you do. Did you know that his father was a congressman? You know, Lindbergh, you know, flew over the Atlantic and was it 3,500 miles? And the reason I remembered it was 33 hours and 3,300 miles or something like that. But it's something like that. He, what was his plane called? Spirit of St. Louis. Yeah. Well, his father was actually a congressman, a rather famous congressman. And the senior Lindbergh had complained at the time, it is a common practice of congressmen to make the title of Acts promise a right but in the body or the text of the Acts to rob the people of what is promised in the title. I guess everybody un understands what, he, what he's saying there. He's the one that pitched a big fit. That was where you can cite that quote. Lindbergh pointed out that the government office holders understood that by joining with the banking interest, their re-election was more certain than if they served the people who elected them that their campaign expenses were paid by the support of the machines of the press. Sound familiar? Has it changed any? And I can cite hundreds of senators and that down through, especially the last 100 years, 125. Well, you can go back to Lincoln. But well, you can go back to Washington and Jefferson. It's about, money's always been the issue of power. They don't need more money. They want more power. The spirit of the Antichrist wants the power. So therefore, the spirit of the Antichrist will have the money. So that's the reason of the corporations. You don't have the government of the United States. You've got the government of the United States and Monsanto, BlackRock. You've got all these major corporations telling the government what, what for. Well, it is. I'm not trying to get up an army to go up and change all this. I got the milk in the morning. I am trying to make us aware of what's going on. So as Christians, we know where we are. We know what's going on. I already know the outcome. Now, I'm the type of Christian that believes that you stand for what's right. I don't care if you're one and there's 5,000 against you. You stand for what you just, we stand for what's right because it's right. It's not that we think we're going to, what's your name, wrote the song, Fear of God, Brooke, Ligerwood, Brooke, like you, you want to listen to that one, Fear of God. Yeah, I heard that one, but I don't think it'll be in our handbook next week. Now, so, so this, this is what was, he understood, and it was trying to make the case that politicians have learned that you cater to the bank's interest, and then they'll pay you away. Is that 100% true? No, it's not 100%, but I guarantee it's over 50 so that's enough to turn the tide and have the influence that's needed. Let's look at Woodrow uh, Wilson. Quickly, Woodrow, uh, Woodrow Wilson felt he had made a terrible mistake in signing the bill. He, he signed the, the bill, actually. 
Of course, he had guaranteed them that he would. But he later wrote, some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. That's Woodrow Wilson. And he signed it, but he then, you can follow his life, see where he got enlightened to what he sold out to. So he was trying to correct some of his devastation, I guess you say, when he made that's a famous, and I'll not go into the reasons, but he was sorry he said it after they did it. That's Woodrow Wilson. It's in the book, The New Freedom, page 176. Now, how does it work? Let's look quickly. The Federal Reserve System is nothing more than a group of privately owned banks that charge interest on money that never existed. Now, can you believe that? But it's the, it's just the truth. The government prints a billion dollars worth of interest-bearing U.S. government bonds and takes them to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve accepts them and places $1 billion in a checking account, and the government writes checks to the total of, of $1 billion. In other words, so we say, okay, we're not going to meet our budget. We need this much more money. Take it to the Federal Reserve. Say, here, here you know, is our note. They say, okay, they put the numbers in your bank account, then the government spends it. Now, when the government spends money into the system, now, I'm, I'm not pretending that, this, that it's this simple, but you got to start somewhere, and I'm going to start simple. Inflation is when the government adds money to the system. Not really, but two ways you can do it. One's the government printing money, and the other one is by somebody printing money in their basement. The only two ways you can really technically but now we're getting into the crypto and all this, so it's generating some new problems for the system, but they got that one covered also. But what we want to see is, so they set up the Federal Reserve so that when we needed to borrow money, we'd borrow it from this group of banks, and that is such an interesting topic. I'd love to get into it sometime about what goes on. Uh, it's actually in France. I think it's about a mile by a mile. It's kind of like the Vatican. You know, the Vatican's its own country. Well, where these banks are is basically their own. Yeah, they've got, it's just two or three places, and some of them's moved from one place to the other, but anyway. So you see that they, that they have this uh, billion. Where was that one billion before they touched the computer to make the entry? It didn't exist. We allowed the private banking system to create money out of absolutely nothing, call it a loan to our government, and charge interest on it forever. The bank collects interest on the government's own money. That's a pretty good scheme. You could say, well, Alan, that's kind of elementary. How did they, it's like to me, anybody could see it. Well, anybody can see it, but it's a problem. Everybody's not honest. The money's root of all evil. You got greedy people in this world. Have you noticed? I know that the far left is saying that by nature people are good. It's not showing up on my radar. I, I mean, not even in me, much less others. So, communique sent forth from the Rothschilds Investment House in England to its associates in New York, and here's the communique. The few who understand the system will either be so interested in its profits or so dependent on its favors that there will be no opposition from the class, while on the other hand, the great body of people mentally incapable of comprehending, I mean, I don't doubt that, but I understood what he said there, will bear its burdens without complaint. In other words, what they're saying is the Federal Reserve System He's saying the people's so stupid, they won't do anything about it. Well, the only thing I can tell you, it looks like he's right. 
Now, there's not those that haven't tried to do something about it, and I started to put the list up there, and I just didn't do it. It's over 80-some at this point since the Federal Reserve. Those, it's, it's over 80 people have brought to Congress to introduce a bill or whatever. The Federal Reserve System has never had an audit. You wouldn't believe how many died one day before they were to bring it. They almost labeled it as a disease. That's just the way it rolls. There again, call me a conspiracy theorist. I'm talking about facts. I'm not talking about theories here. But let, let me show you Thomas Jefferson here. I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. This is Thomas Jefferson. Already they have raised up a, a money aristocrat that has set the government at defiance that issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the government to whom it properly belongs, he says. Isn't that something? Thomas Jefferson. Now, here's the John Kennedy plan. A lot of people didn't know it, but John Kennedy was out to destroy the Federal Reserve System. He knew the problem. He had set up what's called the John F. Kennedy plan to exterminate the Federal Reserve System and ultimately eliminate the national debt. He has had Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, before him when they did the same, the two Rothschild organized central banks. In 1963, by the presidential order of John F. Kennedy, United States Treasury began printing over $4 billion worth of United States notes to replace Federal Reserve notes. Now, most people don't know this happened. When a sufficient supply of, of those noted entered circulation, the Federal Reserve noted and the system could be declared obsolete. This would end the control of the international bankers over the U.S. government and the American people. Now, that's what Kennedy was up to. A lot of people want to know. That's what you need to know. Now, right there is a $5 United States note. You see it right there at the top? That's what it looked like. It's printed. I've went to the uh, Internet these days, and some places say they never existed, but they do exist. Most, all, all of them were pulled out of circulation years ago. But there's individuals that do still have them. You go to the inter Internet, and there are most, a lot of places say, well, it never existed. It's a fable and all this, but that's not true. Right there's a picture of one. I, I know somebody's got two of them. A United States note. You see that? All right, there's a $5 bill now, Federal Reserve note. So Kennedy was printing, already had it going, United States notes. He was switching out the currency. That's what he was doing. Now, after putting this plan into effect, John F. Kennedy was professionally assassinated in Delhi Plaza. This is right after he had it going. This is what has always happened. Now, you can go out there and take it from there to Johnson and yada, yada, all these different things. Robert Kennedy Jr., you know, the, it's been 60 years and the file, all the files were to be released like four or five years ago, three or four maybe. They were supposed to be done 50, and then they held them over to 60, and then some of them are released, and some of them, you know, they're FBI, CIA, still not releasing them, even though by law they have to. And, and I don't know, what, what do you do? I mean, it looks like somebody go to jail, doesn't it? But it just doesn't happen. That's what Kennedy was actually, what was his big deal that he was really, that's what he was doing. And that's what, I mean, you can like the Kennedys or not like them. That's, that's what he was up to, and that's what actually got him assassinated. And... There's a long line of those that have tried to do that down through here. So why do, do most politicians leave it alone? Because they know they'll be, they're convinced they'll be killed. I don't know why we would think that. And, you know, and I, I'm not prophesying this. 
but we've got Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, he talks about this. A lot, some of this has even come from him and his research. He's got a book that he's written on the whole thing. Everything's documented. You can go to National Archives, anywhere you want to go. It's all documented. A big portion of his book, um, the title escapes me, uh, something about JFK. But you can just look it up under Robert Kennedy Jr. So anyway, he, he is about exposing stuff. And the only thing I can tell you is with the press, if you're not with them, of course, if you, if you say anything, I mean, just look at, I'll say it, Russell Brand today. I mean, I mean, he's not a Sunday school teacher by no means. But he is, his life has really changed over, and he said it has, and it's obvious to watch him as his life changed. Uh, but it's also obvious now that the media is going to take him down. All you got to do is say something about you. His old drunk man said, there's not nothing you can say about me but what it ain't true. We're all like that. If you want to look back far enough, and if you know enough secrets, I, maybe there's some people in here that didn't sneak behind the bar and drink a beer before they was of age. I don't know. Maybe there's a few. There's not many. So the whole point is we are in a real war. This thing is real. So you want to know, I mean, people try to minimize where we are. I mean, I'm not going to minimize where we are, but I am going to maximize who God is in the midst of where we are. But to deny where we are, what happens is when Christians deny where they are, then they deny that volume of faith to be where you are. People want to be like everything's okay so they don't have to exercise as much faith in God. Well, that just means I'm going to have to depend on God more. Well, yeah, that's right. And so why am I telling you these truths? Is I want you to consider having more faith in God because where we are is in a, in a lake full of alligators. And, but we don't. I'm not saying we have fear. I don't know how it hits you. It makes me mad. I don't have fear. It makes me little upset for some reason. I try to hold it into a spiritual dignity, but I don't like it. And I don't think I'm supposed to like it. So I don't mind. I'm not saying we're going to get up an army and march Washington, but I am saying, can we at least get up a spiritual army to pray against it? Can we be for what God tells us to be for and against what we're not? Now, let me hurry on here. The professional execution of the president of the United States is not the most shocking issue. Now, watch this. That's shocking. I mean, it is now through what's been released. What's been released? There's three shooters to Kennedy, three different directions, and two diversion shooters. Already documented, it's there. Everybody knows it. But yet, it was always presented as a lone shooter. That's what you call a cover-up. Anybody say cover-up? Okay, that's what, that's what that is. It's a cover-up. Now, the high-level uh, coordination that organized the widespread cover-up is manifest evidence of the incredible power of the hidden government behind the scenes. You say, well, and there you go, conspiracy again. Well, call it what you will. Something's hiding back there that's pulling the strings. It, kill, it kills presidents and people. Few Americans today realize to what extent the power of the Federal Reserve really is. You can look it up there. There was this book, if you really want to read it and get into it. It's an older right, but it's still accurate. The title of it is Kill Zone. That's what they ended up calling where Kennedy drove through that plaza area, they say. Now I'm going to, as I've run out of time again, I was wanting to get into inflation. And First Timothy says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I'm just telling you, do I believe that this country was built upon biblical principles? The answer to that is yes. 
So for me to stand here before you and to think that the enemy's not going to try to destroy that, you've got to be pretty naive. The more you believe in this country being built on biblical principles is the more you should believe in that there's warfare against that. And I'm just telling you there's major warfare against this country. We have exported a lot of missionaries. We've done a lot of incredible things. But it has been under fire since day one. And I pray that we don't give up the fight on our watch. We just need to be aware. A lot of people are hung up in the American dream and not the American swamp. And I'm for both. Well, I'm not for the swamp. I'm just not for denying that it's there. And I do want us to dream. But as we get into the inflated thing, inflation created by this Federal Reserve entity, it's done on purpose. The United States is to be in debt. If you take a trillion dollars, let's say you want to pay off a million dollars, and if you paid a dollar a second, take you 12 years. If you want to pay off a million dollars, pay a dollar a second, take 32 years. That's no interest. Trillion dollars, just add your zeros, 32,000 years. I'm just trying to put a trillion into something you can put your head around. I might be off a zero in there, but I ain't got my slide in front of it, I don't think. But it's something like 12, I think it's 32, or 320. Anyway, so I'll go over the slide next week. But a trillion's a lot. But we have just, for some reason, accepted this term, a trillion dollars, like it's nothing. And we now are approaching 33 trillion. That is not our obligations. Our obligation, that's excluding Medicare, Social Security, it's excluding all that. You, you put that in there, that's like another $130 trillion that we've committed to that we don't even allocate money to yet. The worth of the whole world's not but about $400 trillion. We owe almost half of it. You want to know how much a trillion is? That's a lot of money. And we're paying interest on it. Somebody's created it on purpose for control. And I'm just telling you. There have been people down through the ages tried to stop it. They haven't got it done yet. And we need to realize on a large stage, debt is a demon. On a small stage, how much does it control you? That's the question. Well, I'm, I'm working at it. If you'll give me some of yours, maybe I can. Okay, I've got to stop. It's very obvious that my teaching today is not a big uplifting thing. We're going to say glory, hallelujah, friend. But just so you'll know, that's not been my instruction from the Lord, okay? My instructions has been to try to, re, to put you in front of some truth. You judge it, you test it. You check me out. The point is we don't want to stick our head in the sand. We're not, near, we're not loud enough as a church about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can affect people's lives. If you want to do something about it, we need to take one life at a time. That's what we need to do. But we need to be serious about where we are and where we're going. Amen? Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for today. And Lord, I pray that what all of I said, if it didn't need to be said, I'm sorry. But Lord, if I needed to say it, I pray that you'll quicken it to our hearts to make us sober, to make us realize where we are as a nation, as individuals, as a country. Lord, I pray for our country. I'm not at all, Lord. I, Lord, we understand that we're living on a planet. There's going to be battles. We get it. We understand these four horsemen 
that they're rioting and they're coming against us and they're coming against this planet. And we ask and pray, oh God, you say as greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Lord, just as these problems are big, you must be pretty big. And I pray, oh God, that you'd be big in this house today. I pray, Lord, that you'd be seen as big in our hearts and in this house. And that the truth of who you are would be realized in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.